Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. I really like our theme this year, Light the Way for Christmas. It's just a, it's such a practical title, isn't it? That we think about light and how we just, I mean, if anything we need in light is the direction we need to go in life and look in life. And uh, I found for me, though, like there's times like I'm in the dark a lot, like almost every day. I just, it kind of hit me the other day as I'm, I, I, my wife and I, like she, she, I'm typically up earlier than her. I have maybe earlier meetings and that. So many times and throughout our, our marriage, I, I had to get ready in the dark. And, and so it depends on the house we're living, you know, opening drawers and bathroom doors and closets and everything. And so you kind of have to navigate your way around in the dark if you, if you have to get up early, if you live with somebody that's, you try to be quiet and, you know, not turn on any lights or any, anything at times. And then uh, my wife, I mean, she, she also loves pillows. And so we have lots of pillows that are, are around and then they end up on the floor. And so what I find is I'm having to kind of navigate through like kind of a little bit of landmine at times and getting through. And I've kind of memorized where pillows kind of fall. And, and so I kind of know, okay, there's a pillow there. And then sometimes, now if you trip, you know, you're tripping on pillows. It's not that big a fall. But there has been times where, and this is probably when our kids are little, but toys would end up in our room or around. And, and little toys. I mean, I'm, I'm talking little, like little, like little, like Lego and like little Barbie shoes. And what I found is they're, they're absolutely excruciating, and whether it's in the middle of the night or early in the morning. And of course, if you remember, if you have kids when they're little, it's just tough to get them to sleep and also tough to keep them asleep. And so early in the morning, I mean, I'm navigating through trying to get ready in the dark, and then I step on maybe a Barbie, you know, little shoe or Lego, and you can't scream. You can't make noise, right? You have to be quiet. But I have screamed silently in the dark. <laughs> you ever seen Steve Martin? You're like, ah, ah, just like it was though that moment. Like I just, I'm losing it, and everybody's asleep. Like, oh, I didn't make any noise. Okay, no, but no babies crying because that's the worst. Waking up the baby. Oh, sorry, honey, I've got to go. I left. I wake woke the baby up. Now I say all that, and you probably like I can relate relate with that. But in all seriousness, no, there's times in our life. Where we, and maybe this is even you today, where you feel like maybe emotionally, or it could be physically if you're dealing with pain, you are, you're, you're screaming silently in the dark. Meaning that no one knows what you're going through, but you're facing a lot in your life. And Christmas, as much as it's a wonderful, beautiful time of year, it actually can be very stressful time of year. And there's this heaviness. And so even more, it compounds for people that they're like, yeah, that's me. I feel like I'm, I'm screaming my head off, silently in the dark. And for some of you, there's just no one to hear it. There's no one really know. And, and you're trying not to rock the boat. You really don't want to maybe a whole lot of people know what you're going through. But some of you this Christmas season are dealing with loss of a loved one. This is the first holiday season that you'll be without them. Some of you have gone through divorce or job loss or you're going through physical pain or emotional pain. We all have what we've gone through and there's times where like, I am going through this and how do I find hope? 
how do I find the light? How do I, can I find a little bit of crack in the door to get through, to get through? Well, that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about that light. Last week, we, we looked at the light of Jesus. We looked that was prophetically given by Isaiah 700 years. 700 years before, there was this prophetic word that was given in Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verse 2. Let me, let me just read this scripture and reminder to us from last week. The light people walking in darkness have seen, or the, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. A light has dawned. I love that. The light has already dawned. It is, the, 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 the message of Christmas is Christ's light has already come to a dark world that we live in, to, to light our way. Jesus, when he came as the light to this earth, declared of himself this. He says, when Jesus, it says, when he spoke again to the people, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I love that title, the light of life. So it's great news. When you and I, when we choose the light, when we choose to allow the light of Christ to come in our life, it's a beautiful and it's a powerful thing in our lives, isn't it? It's amazing this light that we have and it shines in our life. It, that, that knowing that you don't have to scream in the dark any longer. That the light of Jesus, he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. I mean, what more do we need, right? And yet, Here's the thing, think about this. Not everybody chooses it. Not everybody chooses to live in the light. Many people choose to live in the dark. They're like, why? Why would we do that? Why would we live in the dark? Well, here's the irony of light. Jesus says these words. He says, this is the verdict. This is what he's come to. Light has come into the world. And we celebrate that. He's the light of the world. But listen to what he says next. But people loved darkness instead of light. Because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. It will not come in the light. For listen to this. This is key. Fear that their deeds will be exposed. Fear. Fear that their deeds will be exposed. We think about this last year, we look back and maybe the last couple of years, how much exposure of scandals after scandals, people, celebrities and politicians and religious leaders have been exposed for what they have done. They came out of what, what they really did in life and, and a video was found and this person was interviewed and, and, and exposures happen. And it's usually two things. It's either money or sex. Those are the two things. We, we see it displayed in dramas. Fingerprints match. The mistress is questioned. The dead body is discovered. The truth is, you and I, it's, we think oh, it's those people. It's all us people. That there's exposure to the light. And, he, and, and here's a sobering scripture when it comes to this whole light revealing. Luke 8 says, For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open. And everything is concealed will be brought into the light and made known. I don't know what it takes to get the hair in the back of your neck on end, but that scripture can do it for you, can it? Everything, it will be exposed and made known, what was concealed. You know, you, you know, you and me, we're right here, we're probably, what we've done probably won't make national news. 
But all of us have a literal or a digital foot, fingerprint all over. What are the, we're all over the crime scene. What we click on, what we turn to, what we're involved with ourselves, all of that. We are, we are exposed. And most importantly, the, the darkest place we expose is our own, our own mind. And there's a fear that's there, isn't there? There's a fear that we'll be outed. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what was their reaction? Their first thing they did was hide. Hide from one another and hide especially from God. You see, life grows wonderful in the light. If you want to have something life-giving, it's light that makes it grow. But you know what grows really well in the dark? Sin. If you think about where people sin, it's not in broad daylight typically, is it? No, it's probably where there's no windows. There's, you know, dark places, maybe dark, dark places, right? Someone said we are sinful and sick as our secrets, for some of us, let's, let's just admit it. There's times we're, we're in a place right now, and you might be finding in your own issues of addiction, uh, your habitual sin, you're right now screaming in the inside, silently in the dark. Help me. And yet, exposure has a great, great cost. And the fear of exposure or sin is so powerful. And what it does is actually... It, it tries to manipulate us. The other day, my, both my wife and I, on our, our phones, we got these voicemails. I don't know if you got these voicemails, these, these scammers. And it's the robotic voice. Did somebody get this? Like, we found you out. You are caught. We know what you did. You need to give us your bank information in the next 10 minutes and we will expose you. And I'm like, I remember getting it like at 6.15 in the morning. Like, what if I slept in? Would I have been exposed? Like, I, I slept through the message. Like, it was really kind of odd, right? As much as that's, there's those out there trying to get us. How many know the people that we love or claim to love us have also tried to get us and manipulate us through guilt and shame? See, it's, it's such a credible weapon, isn't it? For when you use it, you, you make others feel small and stupid. And you lift yourselves up a little bit. But what you're doing is actually protecting yourself that you don't get outed. It's fear and manipulation that you use. And, and unfortunately, the church has done a really, really good job of it. Over the years and just traditionally... What it claims to be the light of Jesus has been more of a flashlight. You ever get a flashlight in your face, like interrogation? It's not, it doesn't, it's not very pleasant. Rather than who Jesus truly is, not a flashlight in the face, but a light of the world, a lantern to light our path toward him. And there's a lot of judgy people out there, but it isn't Jesus. When you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus isn't judgy. Jesus is inviting people, inviting them to who he really is. See, it's interesting, as Jesus shared this, you know, people love darkness instead of light. You know the few verses before in John 3, you know what he says this? He says the most famous, famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting, eternal life. But I love the next verse as well. I love verse 17. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
Isn't that amazing? Jesus did not come to condemn the world. I mean, if anybody could be judgy, it would be Jesus being all perfect and all holy. But no, he didn't come to do that. He didn't come to, to condemn us. I mean, we, let's just face it. We do a pretty good job of that already, don't we? And do we do that to one another? No, simply is this. Here's our Christmas core truth. Jesus came to light the way to call us to himself. The purpose of the light is to invite us into relationship. To, to yes, it's going to expose us. It's going to show us. It's going to reveal our hearts. And that's the, that's the risk that we take. But the risk of exposure is lower than this risk of invitation that he wants to have a relationship with us. Calling, him, calling us to himself and to reveal our hearts and to show us that he really is the one that will light our way. That we don't have to scream in the dark silently alone. That he's there. I love the title that Jesus has as coming to this earth. Emmanuel. God with us. It's been about relationship. It's always about relationship with him. God does not sit judging from his throne of heaven. No, he decided to do the best thing to do. To deal with the darkness of our hearts. And the sinfulness of our hearts. To expose our hearts is this opportunity for Jesus to come and show us the way out of the dark room. And throughout the Gospels, Jesus did that with so many different people. He revealed his light, shown people, and people were drawn to his light. But not everybody was. The people that wanted to hide, the people that wanted to stay, stay hidden, were ended up being, you know what, became the religious people. And they didn't want people, Jesus didn't want, they didn't want Jesus. The competition and the threat was that, that they could get exposed as well. Now, we read and we see the reactions that as Jesus gives this invitation to people, they're right there. Almost every single time, they're right there to combat it. And one of those we're going to look at here today, this is the beauty of, of Christ's light and he shines. People that, that you just think, those people out there that would be these kind of, yes, these people. It's in Luke chapter 5, verse 27. Where it starts off this, it says, after this. Now, after what? What was happening here is, and you all know the context is, just before this, Jesus is in a house teaching, and some guys that are very passionate about their friend getting healed, he's a paralytic, can't move, can't walk, can't, can't move around. They lower him down through the roof. They cut a hole and they lower him down. And Jesus is, he goes, man, he's like, look at their faith. And Jesus says to the, the man, instead of saying, hey, you're healed, he says these words, he says, your sins are forgiven. Well, the religious judging people flip out. Like, your sins are forgiven. Who are you? think you're God that can forgive sins? And he's like, yeah, I am God. I can forgive sins. And so he not only forgives the man's sin, which what, what was happening there was the fact that many people viewed, and this is sad, but we, we have compassion on those that are, that are disabled. Back then, it was considered sin. You did something wrong or your parents did something wrong. So when Jesus says that, it affirms this guy. Hey, you're forgiven. There's nothing wrong here. And then he says, you're healed. And man gets up, takes his mat and walks away. And so that happened. 
after what happens, just before what happens next. It says this, when Jesus left the house, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector of, of, uh, by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Now, when we hear taxes, sometimes we kind of, there's a little bit of jumping, isn't a little bit? Of, when you see, I just see income tax and I flip out on it. I don't know what it is. But when I, when I read that, you know, like, oh, taxes. But you know, back then it wasn't like the, the, the loathing of taxes. It was the loathing of tax collectors. The, the Greek term for tax collector was telons. Uh, telons are, are government posted positions and they're universally hated all through the Roman Empire because they were inherently corrupt. Because the way it worked is that Rome demanded a certain quota per month. And they, had, they basically had their henchmen that would go out and to collect the taxes for the Roman Empire. And they did it, whatever they could do. And the, the typical way was extortion. And, and they, would, they were at the, at the core corrupt because there would be a quota that needed to be met, but when it was met, guess what? The tax collectors kept on collecting taxes. They met the quota, but guess what? They continued to pocket money, and they actually became very, very wealthy in, the, in their corruption, okay? So picture the mafia, okay? That's basically what was going on here. The Jews, the Romans, the rich, the poor, the religious, everybody, you know, cross-category hated despise them. And I didn't know this to this week. Somebody told me there's three types of, three levels of tax collectors. There's the gable, which basically they, they collect the property and income taxes. Typically it was annual or, or and, and then kind of pull taxes. You go through a certain place and you had to pay taxes. Then also under that was the great mukis, and they were important export taxes and they would set up booths. So if you were going through and moving your goods from one region to the other, you got, you got taxed on that kind of tariff that was paid. Zacchaeus in scripture is one of, one of the great mukes. And then there's the little mukes. And they were almost picture like a, a kid's lemonade stand on the side of the road. And they basically were set up random places. You're just driving down your driveway and there's like this lemonade stand and there's a kid out there like, you need to pay $50, okay? Because, you know, your, your horse is, you know, you, you know, 25 shekels and if the tail's too long, an extra eight shekels. I mean, they had all these different rules and different things. And you, you understand, they were despised. They were even treated and despised more than beggars, okay? They were the lowest of lowest of lowest. And yet, Jesus goes to them. Jesus expresses to them incredible compassion and grace and offers friendship. But li listen what it says when Jesus did this. Follow me. Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Levi, you heard the, you heard the name Matthew. That's Matthew. Matthew's the one. Oh, you, ha you have the gospel that he, God inspired him to write. We have the, the teachings of Jesus by a little muke, a little tax collector, corrupt tax collector. And Jesus invites him in to say, come follow me. Doesn't say come believe in me. There's a big difference between believing and following, isn't there? I mean, I had saw a statistic that said 8% of, of, of people in, 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 our, in our country believe in Jesus. Well, that's a big difference between following Jesus. Believing in Jesus costs us nothing. Following Jesus costs us everything. 
I was reflecting on the, the hymn by Isaac Watts, who wrote, when I survey the wonders of the cross, that following Jesus, it demands my life, my soul, my all. When I follow Jesus, I have a different economy. I have a different sacrifice. I have a different value system, a different really everything. And you think about why would anyone want to do that? Well, when you, when you think this is all there is to this earth, it's why, why not? But when we know there's something beyond, when we know there's something eternal, why would you not want to follow? But recognize falling costs us everything, our life, our soul, everything to do that. And that's what Levi did. He followed. And it's interesting what happens next. It says that Levi, it says, held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. Here he is. He comes and invites him in to, to follow him. And then, then Levi goes, hey, can we have a party here? And it says a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. And you read that like, okay, you know, if, if, if uh, Levi is such a despised person, why would anybody want to come to the party? Well, other fellow corrupt tax collectors wanted to come. You know, birds of a feather flock together, and that's what was going on. A bunch of these, these kind of outcast, hated people, and Jesus is right smack in the middle of it. I love that. He, he being God himself, has, is the most approachable guy on the planet. Isn't that amazing? I find that fascinating. In fact, I, I, you could write this in, is that people who were nothing like Jesus, like Jesus. They were comfortable with him. They invited him to their homes. They invited their friends over to meet him. Friends who, who, who like themselves, were just nothing like Jesus, but Jesus was with them. They liked Jesus. There's something appealing about him. Last summer, I was working at the coffee shop and just, I was in between meetings and I, I put some headphones and I'm working away and I see a guy out on the patio and he had his phone, he was kind of distraught, and he was, and I felt the Lord saying, hey, I want you to go talk to that person. Like, okay, well, okay, I'm good with that, Lord, but I'm going to go over there, and that's going to be super awkward. Lord, I'm not sure. I'm some, I have this, like, dialogue going on in my head. I'm like, well, Lord, I'm like, I don't know. Like, you got, you're going to have to help me out with this, right? And so I'm back, you know, had my headphones on, working away, and then I look up, and the dude's sitting right next to me. I'm like, okay, I get the message. I need to say something. So I said to him, because he was still kind of distraught, I said, hey, man, are you okay? He goes, oh, no. And he shares about his problems and his struggles and going on, his daughter, and he's living at the state park, and it's all, this, all this stuff's going on in his life. And then he asked me, we are kind of conversation, what I did and everything. And then once I told him I'm a pastor, he flips out. Like, he just, like, had a lot of baggage about church and everything and religious people. And he just goes off. He's an atheist. And why he's an atheist? So we get in this, like, debate. And I was just like, this is not how I expected this to go. But, and it wasn't going very well, right? And then we started talking about Jesus and the conversation changed. And it really, at the end of the conversation about Jesus, you know what was amazing? We were in complete agreement. When we talked about the life and teachings of Christ, what Jesus stood for, how he acted and what he did, I was like, yes, yes, yes. He was yes, yes, yes. And then I find it fascinating. Don't you find that interesting? You know, all the hangups and everything about other going on and all the excuses people have and not believing and all that. And when you get to Jesus, it, it changes. It's, it really is amazing. You should try it sometime. You would find it very fascinating when you talk about this. But they, this party was going on. And, 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 and more and more, I find this with people that are drawn to Jesus. Well, it's interesting. People who are nothing like Jesus like Jesus, but know this. Jesus liked people who are nothing like him. 
See, one of the dangers of church history and art, as much as we love it, many times it kind of pictures a sanitized Jesus. As much as he was perfect, he, didn't, he wasn't in a perfect world. Jesus wasn't, didn't float around between two candlesticks and seeing glass. He was in the dirt. He was on the road. He was crucified between two criminals. Okay? Don't see that portrayed too much. He was with some sketchy people. And here's the thing. He was completely comfortable with them. When you have, and you're God, that probably helps a little bit. You, you don't have a self-esteem issue. You're not worried about your reputation at all. But you and I, we got a little bit of insecurities. Like if I'm with them and what people think and I'm talking with them. and Is this, is this going to be a problem? Well, it's a problem with the religious people. Jesus was labeled. It was, it was considered a derogatory term when they said it. The friend. You heard in the video. Friend of sinners. I think Jesus went like, I like that. I like that title a little bit. I should like, you know, if there was t-shirts back then. I wonder if Jesus would wear the t-shirt, friend of sinners. Wouldn't that be cool? Like, that, I, I honestly think that, that Jesus wore that. And he's like, no, that's, my, that's, that's okay. Because that's, that's why I'm here. I came not to condemn the world. I didn't come to expose people and out people. No, my light is, to, is an invitation into relationship with me. And so he was a friend of the unwanted, the friend of the outcast, the friend of the rejected. As, as a light into the world. He lit up the room, and he, as light draw, flies draw the light, that's what was happening. But not everybody did. Don't forget the judgy people. Listen to what happens. It says, but the Pharisees are the teachers of the law who belong to their sect complain to his disciples. I mean, it's funny, they didn't go to Jesus. Like, hey, Jesus, he goes, hey, you're, he goes to the disciples. They go, why, why, do you, why, do you, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And, but Jesus answered them. He answered them. Here's this moment. Jesus, the light of the world, exposes, could expose the sinners, but, but it's the pride of the religious where he confronts them. Exactly why he came and actually why he didn't come. Listen to what it says. He says, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance brilliance of what he just said. And it gets right to the heart of the gospel and our need for the gospel. It gets right to the place where, where we are, where we have a choice. Do I allow myself to sit in the dark room and scream silently by myself, fear of being exposed? Or with that, on the outside, look like I've got it all together, but inside I'm not. It's dark, it's sketchy, it's struggle. There's so much deep within me. If, if I put a protective layer around me, I'm going to be okay. That's really what the religious people were doing. Jesus called them um, dark. They called them, he called them the darkness of their heart. He said, you're like a tomb with dead man's bones. Whitewashed tombs on the outside look really good, but inside were corrupt. And what was happening is Jesus saying, I've come not to the righteous, but to the sinners. Well, you were saying he didn't come for the religious people. No, he came for the religious people. But the problem with the religious people is they didn't feel like they needed any help. They didn't feel like they needed forgiveness. When you're righteous and you got it figured out, you don't need. So Jesus, I didn't come for them because they're not willing to, to respond. I mean, you think about this and, you know, if, if you, what's the difference? What's more dangerous? You have a disease and go to the doctor or you think you're well and never go to the doctor and you've got a problem. 
Jesus calls sinners and the sick to himself to bring healing forgiveness, but it's about the response of the people. And pride is the greatest thing that gets in the way. But you know what's with pride? It's the exposure. It's the fear. It's the fear to be exposed. And yet the risk that Jesus is saying is once you admit, once you admit that you have darkness in your heart. Once you admit that you are in pain and once you admit that you're in need of him, that's where he does his best work. And his best work is our response is repentance. And repentance is not saying, oh Lord, I'm sorry. Repentance is saying as, as Levi did, Matthew did. So Jesus said, come follow me. And, and Levi left everything. He left everything, his livelihood, and says, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. There's a cost to be paid through repentance. Repentance means turn the other way and go toward Jesus. And that's the response. But there's a risk. Our, the light of Jesus will expose us. But I tell you, what's beautiful when it does, Jesus doesn't come in with that flashlight and try to get you and condemn you. He's like, oh, let's take a look at what we have here. Hmm. I think I can do work. Let me come. Let, come into my life. Follow me and I will show you the way. And I will light the way in your life and I will do a work inside of you and cleanse you and, and help you work through everything you have. You don't have to stumble in the dark any longer. You don't have to scream in silence. I'm there for you to help you along the way. And what's beautiful when, when the Lord's light does in our life, it begins to brighten our life. Have you been around people that when you look in their eyes, there is no light? You look at them and there's just, there's just a shell of a person. It's sad. I see that. But then when I've seen people in the transformation and the brightness in their eyes and the beauty in their eyes, what was happening, I go, that person knows Jesus. There's a light in them. And you can tell. And I tell you, your light of Jesus, it shines through. You don't have to say anything to anyone. It's just there. And that's the incredible beauty of God's God's plan that Jesus says where the, he's the light of the world. But look at what he says next. This in Matthew 5, he says, you and I are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they might see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Your light, the light that you have, the light that's in you, the light that you didn't manufacture, and you're not the source, by the way. You are a reflection of that light. You're, the light of Jesus comes in you, and it bounces off, and it shines to other people around you. Man, we're going to go into this week, and there's dark places, your work, your school, your classroom, your neighborhood, you're going to be in places where it's dark, and you feel it, and you're just like, oh, it's depressing in here. And, and you know, be careful to go, ah, oh, they got the light of Jesus in me, and you're, you don't, you know, be, don't be weird with people, uh, but be genuine. See, just walk in, and who you are, you come in, and you, you get this light. Don't take it for granted that you do. You have it. And what's beautiful is, how does it shine? It's not what we say. It's by our deeds. By your good deeds, the work we do, we don't glorify self. What it is, people pointing to Christ and who he truly is. We're simply that reflection. See, people who are nothing like Jesus like Jesus. Jesus like people who are nothing like him. But finally know this, Jesus likes it when we like people nothing like us. Think about it. There's people around you, they're nothing like Jesus. Like, oh, right? They're, they're, they're a little, you know, not, they don't match the, they don't match. They don't fit the mold. And good, good, for good sake, I think that's fine. I think, I think this is the mold that you have to act this way and do a certain thing. It's, it's so limiting. 
That's what the religious judgy people will do. But there's a beauty of Christ's light and who we are in our personality that shines forth. But you know people, they're nothing like Jesus. They're not even close to that. But God's put them in your life and the opportunities you have all the time. Several years ago when I was working in the school district, I uh, had the opportunity after work that the teachers that I'm working with it would invite me to go to the bar. And I'd been a pastor for several years and I don't drink alcohol and like I, I've not really done that before. And, and, but they said, well, come join us. We're doing happy hour. Come join us. And several times I got invitations to the point like I'm kind of rejecting them. Like I'm kind of thinking I'm better than them or whatever it was. And so the, 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 the other awkward part of it, they're all females, so all these ladies are inviting me to the bar. I'm like, oh, ladies, I have a ring on, okay? And, and it wasn't that at all. They just like hanging out with me. And I think they're great ladies. But they were like, man, we got to blow some steam off in a long day with all these students. And I cleared it with my wife. Say, honey, uh, I got some ladies that are inviting me to the bar. And, you know, that conversation's a little different. But she's like, you know, okay, whatever. And so it was fine. And we, 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 had trust, we, we have trust boundaries and things with that. And so I get there and drink my seven up and talk with these ladies. And it was so interesting as I did that, it really spoke a lot to them that I would have conversations, got to know them a lot, they got to know me. And then when we got involved in the church here, maybe the second or third week, two of the ladies were in the service. And I didn't know anybody at the time. I knew my wife and I knew those two ladies and that's it. And they were giving me the thumbs up over church. I thought that was so cool that I built the relationship. I'm thinking for you and I, when we, where do we go this week? And who are we going to interact with? We have opportunities that God wants this light to shine through us. But it takes some risks, doesn't it? It takes a lot of risks that we have. And, but he, God wants to use that opportunity. I want our team to come as we, we pray here today. I know the risk that we have is this, is that we could be labeled friend of sinners. We could be labeled our reputation. And I hope and I pray that Christ the King will always, uh, if it stops wanting to be this, I'm out, by the way, to be friend of sinners. Because the reality is we're all sinners, saved by God's grace. And that people just, as someone says, we're just showing other people, one beggar showing another beggar to get bread. We're helping people along the way to find the light of Christ. And so here's my question and challenge. Who are you inviting your holiday celebration this year? Who are you going to invite? And what I mean by that, there might be an event, there might be a party, and you might want to host the party. Maybe your small group's having a party. Maybe there's other people saying, who can we invite? Who can be included that we're not a one little club? Is there others that we know that we can reach out to? I also know that you're going to some parties this week or next couple weeks. You're going to the company party. You're going to opportunities. And you're going to have opportunity to be the light of Jesus. Just please don't be the judgy church person. Don't do that. Just be and listen to them. The light of Jesus in you is enough that will speak to them and encourage them toward the light. But you also have an opportunity of invitation. As you invest in those around you, you also have an invitation. That's Christmas Eve. I encourage you this year to take this and don't just stick it up on the board at work. People, that's great if you want to do that. Uh, look for opportunities this week. Hold this with care. Say, God, who in my relationships? And when you get in conversations and God opens up, and I tell you, it's pretty amazing when you pray. Say, Lord, who do you want me to reach out to? Who do you want to go? God will all of a sudden conversation and it'll freak you out. You'll go, oh, this is the moment. I got to say something. Yeah, because you prayed for it. God's going, 
hello, I gave you this opportunity. Here's your opportunity. And it'll be, it will feel a little awkward, but also feel a bit natural, like it's the right thing to do in that right moment. Say, hey, would you want to come and join me for Christmas Eve services? I'm going to the four o'clock service. Uh, I'd love to save you a seat for that. Here's the invitation to do that. So I encourage you to take this with you. Uh, don't, don't just hang it on your tree. <laughs> it's a nice little thing. It's an invitation. And someone says, oh, is this an air freshener in your car? Um, it's not a scratch and sniff, you know, something like that. But it's an invitation saying, Lord, who is it that, God, you want me to, to invite this week? Take two or three, whatever you want to do with that. But what are the ways, not to invite to an event, invite them into your life. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. He invited us into his life. But when we do, there's exposure. There's exposure. This dark world we live in, we love to live in the dark. We don't want people to know. But when we open our life to Jesus, and that's my prayer for you in a moment here, we'll pray. Maybe you are right now, feel like you're screaming in the dark. And you're just desperately in need. And you want someone to know, but you know the risk of doing that. Let the crack of your heart open a little bit for the light of Christ. Can I encourage you all through scripture and all who Jesus is, he's not here to judge us. He said he didn't come to condemn us. No, he didn't come for even the righteous and the people think they got it together. He came for the sick and the sinful. He came for people just like you and I. Invite him in this relationship. And so I invite you just to pray as we close in this final song. Will you do that with me? Let's just take this private moment in a public place as your eyes are closed. And I want you to, we're gonna pray in three ways. First, we're gonna pray for people that we know we can invite. Invite into relationship, invite to Christmas Eve, invite in our lives this holiday season. But also wanna pray for those that are struggling in the dark and need the hope of Christ. But thirdly, I wanna pray this. You have been a judgy person and you need to be called on the carpet the Lord speaking to you and go, oh man, I've done that. I've judged. Oh Lord. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that we have. Thank you for this invitation, not just to a church service, Lord, but an invitation to you. And we pray for every single invitation that goes out this year would fall in the hands of people that would say, Lord, that's something I need. Or in themselves, they go, oh, I need to be there. Lord, will you go before us? Will you orchestrate the conversations that will will take some courage to be bold, but actually will be natural in a weird way? Like, wow, that went easier than I thought. And we gave that invitation out of bringing people, not just to a service, but to you, Lord. So give us those opportunities for our light to shine and be bright. God, I pray for those that are struggling right now. And man, talk about screaming silently in the dark. They're feeling it right now in their life. Lord, will you just provide an opportunity? Will you provide the safe person they can turn to to share their stuff? Lord, may there be an opportunity that they can pray and seek you. And even right now in the moment, some would be say, Lord, I crack the open my heart, Lord. I'm allowing the light to come in and it's painful, Lord. My issues and my struggles, Lord, but I, I want to give my life over to you. I want to let go like, like Levi did and say, Lord, I want to follow you. May they make that choice this very moment today. And your light would shine and, and bring transformation and, and do the work, Lord, that that light would shine out and, and that light would be a, a, be a a spotlight and a blinding light to people around us, but we would be able to use our light to light the way. God, where we have judged people 
of their darkness, Lord, in their life. God, that may we be brought short of our repentance toward you. God, we say we're sorry, Lord. Allow us to reach out incredible ways we pray this week. And so go with us, Lord, and as we declare who you are, and God, this, this beautiful, beautiful time of the year, Lord, may we live in the light as you are the light of the world, we pray in Jesus' name.